here and welcome to another episode of My Pumpkin. Ah, guys, what is all that? See, you know what? Every time I start to record a podcast, I let everybody know I'm about to start recording a podcast, right? Tell the children, this is their, I only have a couple kids up right now. Most of them are asleep. We've been rewatching Stranger Things. No. My 11-year-old asked me why he can't asked me why he can't watch Stranger Things. I said, if it's not on your Netflix profile, you can't watch it. You got a kid's profile, whatever. Wednesday wasn't on there either. I guess cuz of like all the blood. So, when they really wanted to watch Wednesday, I sat down and I put and I put it on my profile. My profile has a lock on it. Anything with the kids' profiles has a lock on it, so you can't get into it. So, and you can't change anything on the TV. Whatever. So, we sat down and we watched Wednesday together. So, they were like, and I was like, "What? where did you hear about Stranger Things? And he said that he heard about Stranger Things um, in Roblox. And he tried to search it on his... YouTube and he could not because I put parental blocks on shit and he wants to know more about Stranger Things and I was like well here's the thing it's a show about kids but it's not necessarily for kids but you know what I don't have a problem with you watching it like I can't think of anything like in it that is I don't know people have sex in it but like people have sex like what do you want from me and um uh, I felt like it wasn't that scary, like, at all. Like, I, I don't think it, it was creepy at first. And then it was like, then once you start seeing, you're like, okay, well, this isn't scary. So I was like, you know what? We can do this. So, and actually all the kids wanted to watch it, even the little ones. And I was like, listen, I do not get in my bed in the middle of the night. Do not be talking about you ain't going to sleep because you scared. I don't want to hear it. You do not sit in here and watch this. There are other things to do. Mind your business. Go somewhere else. Um, so we, so I never finished Stranger Things, but I've seen. I think I think I just didn't see season four. I just didn't have time for it at the time. So we were watching it, and that's what we've been doing. So I'm like, I turned off Stranger Things. I was like, listen, I gotta go record. I've been painting all fucking day. Um, just little dumb projects that had to be done, and also anytime like somebody's put a hole in the wall or like. Um, we've had to move things, you know, you patch it, but it's not the same color. So like I've had little patches in the house and I've always need so had to go do that shit. And so like, yeah, you know, I, uh, tell everyone I'm going to record a podcast and we had a long day. We've done a lot of things together. And let me tell you about these dogs. These dogs, Dottie and Stella, loves of my life. Look at them looking at me now. You're like, you talking about us? Uh, you don't have permission to be talking about us. Anyway, I don't hear shit from them all fucking day. Especially Dottie. Dottie. Dottie don't give a fuck. All she does is chase me from room to room and sleep right where I'm at. If I, if I start cooking in the kitchen, she'll lay on the fucking rug in the kitchen and go to sleep. They don't do shit all day. But as soon as they see me with this fucking microphone, here they go jangling them fucking tags. And I know y'all, tell, y'all gonna tell me, uh, you need to get those tag things that make them quiet or whatever. And you are right. You are correct. But they have... um. Really, Daddy? Really? Girl, you sound like fucking Santa Slay. 
Anyway, uh, but their tags are like irregular. So I don't know. We'll have to figure it out. But y'all are doing a lot. Y'all are doing a lot. Do you hear me? Sit down. Go go sit down somewhere. Mommy's got to talk. All right? <laughs> anyway, guys, I want to remind you that there is a Patreon attached to this podcast. All right? It's at patreon.com backslash pumpkin. And earlier this week, I recorded an episode on Sister Wives. Um, basically, I just talked about this past season. I yelled a lot. It was almost three fucking hours, guys. I did not realize I was going to talk that long, but I did. I had a good time. I definitely called Robin. I called Cody a bum bitch and Robin a bum bitch supporter, which makes her a bum bitch. But <laughs> I, I talked a lot. So go join Patreon. It's five bucks a month for, uh, four bonus episodes. It is a motherfucking steal. Okay. All right, so back to season 12 of By Pumpkin. We're on a second episode. Today, we are going to talk about... Da, 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 da. Let me open my stuff. Ayala Fix My Life, season one, episode 14. Um, it's called Fix My Celebrity Ex-Spouse. Now, this was the first season, okay? So at this point, I mean, Ayala had been on TV like... So, mm, let's back it up. Oprah does this thing, or did this thing when she had a show. She hasn't had a show for a really long time. I was at Oprah's last season. I lived in Chicago and I brought my mom. Um, I got the tickets because the tickets were like in a lotto, lotto such sort of situation. But I, I lived there, so I didn't. I just, whenever I could get them. So I got the tickets. You know, my mom loved Oprah growing up. My mom used to record Oprah on a VHS every fucking day and call me a heifer if I accidentally fucked up the recording. So... Like, our mom fucking love Oprah. Love, 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 love Oprah. So, I was like, it's the last season. I live in Chicago. I got the tickets. I call my mom. I'm like, yo, I got tickets to go to Oprah. Can you come visit me on this time? She goes, no. I'm like, why can't you come visit me? She goes, because to visit you, that means I would have to take a day off of my job. Then, I have to get on a plane. Then, I have to go to sleep. Then, I have to do this. Then I have to put on my clothes and brush my teeth that day. And then, so as I've told you guys before, my mother comes from a place of no, right? Anytime you ask her to do anything, she's very much like, uh, that's impossible. Immediately, that's impossible. I don't think I can do that. No, 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 no. And this is not because my mom's like trying to get out of things. My mom, um, I just, like, I've been like working on some boundary stuff this year. That's what I'm working on. That's my goal for the year is to really like, kind of renegotiate some boundaries in my life and to institute some things. Like, people often think I have really great boundaries because I love to say no to things, right? I'm a mean person. I I don't want to do shit. I'm mean, right? But that's not actually true. I have really inflexible boundaries because of things that have gone on with me in my childhood and in my life, right? Um, I don't trust anybody. I actually was reading this, listening to this book called How We Show Up, which is a really good book. It's about building community and family where you are because I was you know I'm really interested in that and I started crying actually <laughs> like like about mid I had to turn I had to turn it off I started crying and I was like weepy the rest of the day because I was like oh okay cool I'm never gonna live near my family ever again in life and also I'm never gonna have community and a found family because I don't trust anybody not to hurt me ever 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 every person I've ever been vulnerable with my entire life has then hurt me not immediately after, but eventually. And, like, obviously, logis- logically, I'm like, girl, <laughs> get a fucking grip. 
but uh, inside princess is not logical and she you can't talk no sense into her and she, she can't do it. So anyway, how we show up. Good book. I would suggest you read it if you are interested in um, the ways that we can build community around ourselves and our families. But part like so, and also the book I'm reading right now or listening to right now is called Boundary Boss, it's got a really bad title, guys, but the book is good, and the author is good, and the person reading it, I think, is the author. It's good, so, but I really wish, I, I know that you gotta, like, brand things, but Boundary, I don't like that, but yeah, it's good. So anyway, I'm, I'm listening to it, and I'm, I'm, you know, it's part of my thing where I'm, like, working out, like, how I can be better, um, and how I can, like, work on codependency and things like that. But, like, I can't talk to my mom about it because my mom is where I learn how to be codependent, right? So <laughs> anytime I'm talking, like, about, well, oh, I'm going to try this, I'm going to try that, she's like, don't do that. Don't do that. What? You're, like, so one of the things is that, like, or late last year I stopped waking my husband up. I've been waking him up for 15 years to go to work. For 15 fucking years. I just always wake, even when we lived in different states. When I lived in Chicago and he lived in New York, I would call him and wake him up to go to work in the morning. And for no, n- numerous reasons, but like none of them good. And I hate it. I've always hated it because he's also not a person that gets up, right? So then you have to go back. Then sometimes if he's really sleepy, he'll lie to you and tell you he doesn't have to go to work. Then when you don't wake him up, he wakes up like three hours later and he's like, I had to be at work. I'm like, you told me you didn't have to go to work. And he's like, I was lying. I was asleep. And I'm like, okay, like how do I know if you're lying and you're asleep? Anyway, it, I've always hated it. But about maybe September of last year, maybe October, I'm not quite, I can't quite remember, I stopped waking him up. I just didn't do it anymore. Because it's not my responsibility to wake him up. And I don't like it. And it stresses me out. And I can't control whether he goes to work or not. I mean, I, I want him to go to work. But I, I can't control whether he's going to work or not. And so he... uh I remember talking to my mom about that and she was like, you're wrong. Don't, you need to wake him up. You need to wake him up because if he doesn't wake up, he's going to lose his job and then you're going to be poor and then you're going to be homeless. And like, this is why I don't talk to her about stuff. Like, this is my mom's like a doomsdayer. She's, she's, and she is exactly where I learned how to be like super codependent with the people I love because she is. She is, and uh, in that book, they, they talk about a high functioning codependent, which is, I don't, I don't need to rehash this stuff, but it's good. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's fucking me. Like this bitch got all my fucking tea. Like how the fuck does she know? How does she know I was doing that? Cause I don't do that. And so, <laughs> so, uh, but I can't talk to my mom about it. Cause she's like, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard. What the fuck is toxic individualism? Independent. What is toxic independence? What? You must do for yourself because nobody else will do anything for you. You can't trust anybody in this world. And of course, the people you love, you must do everything for them and feel and put yourself inside their bodies and like, (laughs) and take responsibility for every fucking feeling they've ever had in their life. Guys, do you know, (laughs) do you know, um, I was at work the other day and we're all talking, we're like doing these new assignments or we're putting out these new assignments and, um, we're in a like kind of a Google Doc situation where so we've all signed we've all decided who's gonna take what new assignments 
and somebody goes, could somebody like update the Google Doc with the names on them? And I didn't say anything because I'd already like written my name next to the ones that were mine. And they were like, Princess, oh, you already did it. And I'm thinking to myself, of course I did it. I can't trust anybody else to do it. <laughs> no one's going to put my name next to my projects unless I do it. Because no one thinks, like, legit, I was sitting there like. <laughs> but yeah, talking to my mom about, like, this, uh, like, where, like, my codependence and this, like, hyper need to be independent, meet each other, and how that, like, fucks up my life in so many fucking ways that I need to like, you know, take responsibility for it and like, you know, pay attention and adjust, you know what I'm saying? Like not everything has to change today, but like, just be like, Hey, actually I don't like doing this and I don't like when this happens. I could do this. But talking to my mom about that, it's just like, she's like, that sounds fucking stupid. You, you, you're on the right track. Do everything for yourself. (laughs) She does nothing for herself, by the way. But she's like, you you have to be in charge of everything because other people are incompetent. Nobody's going to do it the way you were going to do it. And if you leave yourself in the hands of somebody else, they'll let you down every single time. This is, and I'm like, yeah, like, why is my inner, ver- my inner voice you? Like, that is what, this is exactly what my fucking inner voice tells me all the time. Nobody's thinking about me. No. Nobody cares about me. People only care about me when I'm doing the thing that they want me to do. Making a podcast. They don't give a fuck about me unless I'm being funny. (laughs) Oh my God. This is why when I get sick, I get like a little bit off the rails. Because I secretly believe that nobody loves me and nobody's going to take care of me. And... Uh, people only care about what I do and not who I am. And if I'm not doing the things that I normally do and functioning at a high rate, then nobody loves me. And so when I'm sick and I'm down and I have to lay down and I can't move and I can't like function at a high rate at that point, I, I feel worthless. And I'm already sick, so I'm down, like my body's like in a vulnerable state. And then immediately my emotional state just goes... <laughs> because I am sure... That everyone's having a meeting about how lazy I am sitting here with the flu and a 108 degree fever. Look at how Princess is just laying there. <laughs> so, <laughs> and that inner voice sounds a lot like fucking Yvonne. How's that working? So anyway, <laughs> but back to... <laughs> I'm really off topic. Um, Back to... uh. Yeah, my mom, like, uh, I really envy her a lot on, like, the way she handles things, the way she makes herself the flower of every relationship and other people have to garden her, the way she, I mean, she, she's an overdoer too, but in a weird way. Um, but the way she, like, when I was young, my mom, like, breaks the law all the time. My mom... <laughs> Like, drives as fast as she wants to, drives the wrong way if she feels like she needs to. Um, if, if there's a sign saying, don't go in here, she's like, whatever, I go where I want to. And one of the good things, like, that used to stress me out as a kid, right? And I still hate it. Even now, I'm like, you cannot do that. It says you can't do that. And she's like, whatever. But, but she did teach me, like, good lessons, like, uh, that if the rules were not, don't 
you know, include you, then they don't apply to you. Like, you, you make up your own shit as you go. Like, if they, if they don't include you, then you don't have to live by any of that. My mom is a squeaky wheel. She, 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 my mother has never been unhappy and kept it a, a secret. And that's where I get the shit from. My mom is real good at, like, she's like the matrix when it comes to dodging people she don't want nothing to do with. And she's just, like, she's real good at stuff like that. And... And there's so many things my mom does that, like, I'm like, fuck, I wish I could do it like that. And so many things that I do do like her that I'm really excited about. But there's also a lot of stuff that she does that I'm like, I don't want to live like that. I want something different. And one in the Boundaries Boss, let me just look and make sure I'm actually calling that. And it's not called, like, Boss Baby 16 or something like that. Uh... It's Boundary Boss, and it's by Terry Cole. Terry is T-E-R-R-I Cole, C-O-L-E. Um, I found it super helpful, to be honest. And But um, one of the things that I liked that she said was that, like, you know, we get all of these terrible things from our parents. They set these blueprints for us for our lives, but their blueprints were set by their... She, and she's like, a lot of times you're working on shit that... That was blueprinted, you know, fucking 50, 60 years ago. It's not going to work for you and you can change it. But remember, you you got, like, when we talk about generational curses and stuff, there are also generational blessings that got, came with it. It might be small, but you also got good things too. And I, I need to remember that because sometimes when I talk about my parents, I talk about them in a way that makes it seem like uh, I don't adore them. And I do. I really do. And, I'm, and I wish... I really wish I had all the, some of the blessings they had. I don't know. I don't know. I, some of them missed me, but I really wish I had all of them. The codependent stuff though, like, no, 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 no. My parents are, let me stop talking about them. Anyway, I'm talking about the way my mom comes from a place of no. My mom was basically like, I cannot, she's like, it was, she wanted to see Oprah. She was like, oh my God, I'd love to see Oprah, but I couldn't do that because there would be like a 17 step process and I'm just not up for that. I'm like, the process is that you would have to like uh, comb your hair that morning and like put on shoes. And she's like, yes, but it would have to happen in Chicago. And you know, my mom comes from a place of no and all things. Like, she's not really, as soon as you suggest something new to her, she's like, no, no, mm -mm, not doing that. Um, But finally I wore her down. I just kept, kept going, why can't you do this? And she came and went to go see Oprah. Like, and Oprah's small. Like, she's short. And the other thing that I found, like, is that Oprah came out barefooted and, like, people put her feet, her shoes on. And I did smell her. She smells like cash, baby. She smells like rich. <laughs> That's what she smells like. Anyway, um, Oprah, whether you have fond memories of Oprah or not, we, we cannot get away from the fact that Oprah used to just, like, bring people on her show and unleash them onto the world. And I don't know how much vetting she did. Her, not her. I wouldn't say her because I'm, I'm assuming she didn't do any vetting. I don't know how much the production company did, um, which is her production. But still, I don't understand. I don't know how much vetting they did with people. She's where we got Dr. Oz and Dr. Phil. And Ayala came from there. Um, and then, you know, Ayala talks about this in one of her books about how she was offered a show and all these other things. And Oprah took that as a, 
she had a choice between going to Oprah for production and um, another, and she chose the other, and it didn't seem like a big deal at the time, but Oprah, like, would not let her fucking forget that and was like, I'm done with you, bitch. But not like, not like, not like aggressive like that, but absolutely the way I get done with people, like, I'm just like, and then I just never pick up your fucking phone calls again. But, um, and then to, to kind of like fix that, she had to go on air with Oprah and kind of apologize to her and like grovel to her. It's a, it, you can probably find the clip on YouTube. It's, it's real, it's, it's real specific about what's happening. But, and then once they, uh, reconciled, when Oprah got owned, which she does not own anymore, by the way, uh, she she put stuff like this on there. And that's how Ayanla Fixed My Life came to be. But, so by the time Ayanla gets to own, the first season, maybe first two seasons of um, Ayanla, Fix, Ayanla, Ayanla Fixed My Life is incredibly, it feels like a talk show, right? It is a talk show. We can talk, like she can say that she's, here to do healing or she's here to do her ministry all she wants but the fact is this is essentially a talk show right it's essentially a talk show with props and with Ayanla doing her thing so uh her unlicensed thing Ayanla is not a licensed health professional a mental health professional she is not but even if she was an important part of this show is look at these fucking freaks right important part of the show is to be is to be hmm, is to shock and entertain. I mean, it's a TV show. It's a fucking TV show. And so, what you can really tell by the first two seasons, the type of people they have on, because they're very talk showy. You know. In fact, the first episode is a two-parter with Evelyn Lozada, and. It originally was supposed to be about how rehabbing her image because remember there was a lot of fighting on basketball wives and people were like, Oh, they're making black women look bad. Oh, violence on TV. Um and so they scheduled the interview, but in between like kind of like in the midst of all that, uh she and Chad Ocho Cinco um, God, I'm just thinking like, <laughs> I'm just thinking like, I know that he, he changed his name to Ocho Cinco because his, his number was 85 and wherever he played, I'm assuming in Florida somewhere because she was in Miami. I'm assuming that's where he was playing this stuff. I can't even picture the fucking uniform and try to guess based on that. Um, but does he, like, <laughs> speak Spanish? Does he speak Spanish? Like, what is his connection to the words Ocho and Cinco? Besides that, they stand for eight and five. I'm not going to say 85 because I actually am not that far along. I haven't hit that uh, module in Duolingo yet. So I don't know what 85 is. I'm pretty sure. It, it can't be Ocho Cinco. Because, like, you know, 60 is 60. Um, like... It, the the structure of how um I think 70 is uh, siete I could be wrong girl look at me look at me just just uh 
fucking up a whole f- a beautiful language on the fucking podcast. But anyway, I just like the idea that 70 would be that, but 80 would be just Ocho something. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm getting really fucking off topic. I just feel like... I just feel like Ocho Cinco is probably not 85. It's probably 85. Huh. I could easily look this up. I have I have Google at my fingertips. I'm not going to. Um, let, let it be a surprise. Anyway, so she had like gone ahead in this whirlwind relationship with Ocho Cinco that really um, ended her relationship with Jennifer. And uh, they had gotten married. It was kind of like a fuck you to everybody. And then like, very quickly after the wedding, um, they had like a physical altercation in which he headbutted her, and like, you know, she was like, fucking bleeding from her head and shit. And I can never picture it either. Like I'm just trying to picture a con because they're arguing over condoms in the car. You know what? Why am I pretending like I'm not going to do this episode? I'm going to do this episode. I don't. I can't believe I didn't name it last week. Um, I really just need to focus on the reality stars on, on Ayala. But anyway, yeah, so that, so that's, it, the, the talk show format is there. And so this is why we got someone like a Sheree Whitfield on the show. So when Sheree's on the show, she is out, uh, at, uh, Real Housewives of Atlanta. She was on for the first four seasons, then she came back, um, on the same season that, sh- that, uh, Kim came back. Then she was gone again, and she came back uh, recently. This past season with the She by Charade debacle. I cannot believe... I I can't even believe Candy even spoke to her about this. Because this is so fucking ABC fucking simple. The She by Charade shit has been, like, since season one. Since fucking season one of Real House of... Real Housewives of Atlanta. She by Sheree has been a fucking punchline for, what is it? It's got to be over 15 years. Got to be. No, no, it's not. Let me, I'm actually going to look this up because I was absolutely married um, when Real Housewives of Atlanta. Hold on. Because um, I remember when Jersey came on, there was a lot of stuff I had to, like, contend with. With, like, I really felt Jacqueline's position. 2008 is when it started. So, it's had 14 seasons. It's just a little, it's just a little younger than my fucking wedding. Um, I mean, than my marriage. So, but, so, 14 years ago, this, She by Sheree has been a fucking punchline. Like, we all know the brand She by Sheree. And yet, you've done nothing? Nothing? And then finally, this season, we find that that's part of the reason they had her on. is so that she could have this kind of, like, ending. I mean, I, I don't know if she's coming back next season. But so she could have this kind of, like, booking with the She by Sheree shit. And she is the biggest fucking dummy. Because, if you guys don't know, she finally released the line. She had, like, a little fashion show in which people thought the clothes did look good. But here's the problem. She never paid for the designs, which is a known thing. Sheree does not pay for people. She does not pay her fucking bills. 
She just doesn't. And so they didn't release. And so she wasn't able to release those things. And then so she got a, a lesser, cheaper design. Like, I don't know what happened. But basically all the shit she was selling were knockoffs from like Shine. Is it Sheen or Shine? I've never heard anybody say it in, in real life. I've only read that word. I think it's Sheen. Um, from Sheen. Knockoffs from Sheen. Knockoffs from AliExpress. And... You know, I watched a video with Funky Dineva. I don't always watch. <laughs> Funky Dineva is a very, prob- very, very problematic fave of mine. Uh, I don't know what the fuck he's doing. This last video he was... Funky Dineva hates fat people, guys. He fucking hates fat people. I don't... He hates fat people. I Like, full fucking stop. All those ads he has on his video for flat tummy tea or whatever the fuck... The shitty tea that people be selling. So you can shit your brains out and be skinny. Um, he always starts off with, look how fat you are. Oh, you said you was going to work out, but you never worked out. And Go ahead, be fat some more. Like, he hates fucking fat people. Um, And I'm sure, like, listen. I really like Funky Dineva. I, I like Quentin a lot. I think Quentin has a lot of good shit to say. A lot of insightful shit to say. And I already know that like five years from now, he gonna be out here apologizing. He's gonna be like, well, you know. I, da, 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 da. But like he fucking hates fat people. So he did some video about 90 Day Fiance where he was basically like, that fat lady don't deserve to have love. I don't remember. The, I'm paraphrasing. I did not watch the whole fuck. I didn't watch any of it actually, to be completely honest. I just watched other YouTubers talking about it. But So I don't know what he fucking said. But... Anyway, Funky Dineva is the one that, like, was, like, if you allowed your fucking bag to get fucked up over $2,000, $5,000, you're a fucking idiot. And he's fucking right. He's fucking right. Sheree just don't pay people. She get the cheapest thing out, and, and like, she's not a businesswoman. And so... I can't, like, I'm so mad that Candy even was like, well, you could do this, you could do that. Candy, no, you know you're talking to a box of fucking hair. Like, this lady legit has fumbled one of the easiest bags in the world. The fucking, the fucking bag had super glue around it, and she still dropped it. The fucking bag had six straps that she wrapped around her neck and her waist and her hands, and she still dropped it. She's just not... I don't know. She's not good at this. I don't know. She ain't good at it. What? So, but I feel like Sheree was was a good. The first four seasons of Real Housewives of Atlanta, Sheree was a certain type of housewife. Um, you know, she's having the party. You know, that's where we get that infamous line. My name's there. Nene's isn't, and that's what. Oh my goodness, Nene was so fucking activated, and I would have been too. Girl, you did not have me and Kim get ready in a parking lot, which they fucking did, a parking lot of a gas station. Like, Kim is getting dressed in a fucking car, in a parking lot, to go to Sheree's house. The cameras are there. You know, Nene, very self-important. Nene been self-important since the first time we saw her on the screen. She really just thinks she is... I, Which was ultimately her downfall. Like, she really could be the grandmother of all housewives. She could be the mother of all housewives. She, she'd be perfect on these fucking trips and shit that they're going on. But, and again, I'm just, I said, I don't believe 
what she says, Andy does tokenize black people. The way he used to bloop her, like she was some sort of fucking dog. He always tried to get her to say her catchphrases. Like, <laughs> but I don't know. I, I just, I was like, I, I, you, somebody's giving you some bad fucking legal advice. I guess they settled with her or something. I'm not sure. And, you know, NDAs and all that. But yeah, like, uh, you know, Nene really took herself very seriously. And for her not to be on that fucking thing, the camera's phone. Oh, girl. Oh, girl. <laughs> um, in fact, on this episode, they keep flashing Sheree on a red carpet because they obviously can't use Bravo's footage. Uh, a red carpet um, with, what's the name? Didn't have the kids, was married to Keith Sweat. Lisa Wu. Lisa Wu. Uh, I don't know how much they talked about it. I don't think they talked about it at all when Lisa Wu used to be on Real Housewives of Atlanta. But Lisa Wu had such a bad like drug problem. Um, she lost custody of her kids to her ex, Keith Sweat. And, like, she, like, all kinds of things have been going on. That's why you never saw, that's why you saw the little one she had with Ed Hartwell, but you didn't see any other kids. Because they, like, couldn't be on camera and they actually didn't go to her house and shit like that. Anyway, um, there's Lisa Wu. There's Kim in her fucking plastic hair. Ugh. There's Nene when she had the swoop bang. You know how Nene used to keep a swoop bang on her head? <laughs> and and Sheree. And Sheree was like... You know, Sheree had the Camille Grammer uh, slot of, uh, of Real Housewives of Atlanta. Except she didn't get a season where she was Bob's wife. Immediately she was Bob's ex-wife. And she was just like... I have a lot of money. I'm fabulous. And I'm, and in fact, they were like, I remember this talking head of Sheree being like, she's looking for like a seven figure check. Right. She's I'm looking for seven figures and like, (laughs) and the settlement and all that. And so the first four seasons, she really gave like, I'm rich. I have these things. I'm the talk of Atlanta. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do a, um, a fashion line. And you know, we get to famous, you know, a fashion show with no fashions, how dreadful. I, to this day, I, I will, I will, uh, refashion and repurpose that line, uh, and end it with how dreadful all the time. And most people do not know what the fuck I'm talking about, but you know, by the time she got off, um, remember Phaedra was helping her sue Bob for child support. Now, she didn't win because Phaedra's a bad lawyer. I Bobby Brown says she's a bad lawyer. Sheree says she's a bad lawyer. The dude that wanted to blow her the fuck up, as Mama Joyce said, says she's a bad lawyer. The only Apollo says she's a bad lawyer. The only person she ever kept out of jail is herself. And you know what? That is a skill. So I'm, I'm not trying to blame her. Do you guys hear that Phaedra is possibly going to married to medicine? I immediately was like, fake. Not her going to medicine, going to married to medicine. I think she'd do well on that show, to be completely fucking honest. I think she would clean the fuck up on that fucking show. Um, but, and I think it's way better to let her go back to Real Housewives of Atlanta. I just really think that, let's let her meet some new people to fuck over. <laughs> Now, but to be completely honest, I'm agnostic to Phaedra. 
I keep telling you guys, I used to love Portia. Mm, I love Portia in later years. The reason I enjoy Portia is because she's dumb and she had fun on TV. That's so much of the, the people that we watch on Housewife shit is all they're doing is marketing for their next thing they're going to have, candy, or inviting us to a party that has something to do with a dog collar that you're going to launch, Larsa, or all they're doing is going to dinner to further, to have a conversation to further storyline, or also going to have activities that are, you would never fucking do, so you can then ask the instructor or whoever's there with you to leave, so you can further storyline, and I felt like, I felt like at least when I watched uh, Portia do these things, she was having a good time. Her and her sister were being dumb together. And when and when Portia and Phaedra were good friends, I enjoyed watching them be stupid together. And so, like, I don't really care. Like, you know, I don't really care about her, uh, her, you know, her misdeeds. But I'm glad she's going to, I, I would like her to go to Married to Medicine, but I'll tell you this. The first thing I thought was like, that relationship is fucking fake so you can get on fucking TV. It's fake so you can get on TV. And I honestly, I will wait and see what happens. Because I honestly don't think Phaedra is willing to share the way she used to share. I think the Apollo situation's really gotten her down. I, I cannot Stan, watching those old episodes, as people try to convince Phaedra that she must take a fucking infant (laughs) and that little boy Aiden to a prison to visit Apollo. (laughs) No the fuck you don't. My my bio father's been in prison for, what am I, 42? Means he's been in prison for like 41 and a half fucking years. Maybe, maybe 41. No the fuck you don't. I visited him all the time. I regularly since I was a small child. You do not have to do that. It is not some a requirement. People be like, well, you have to because you didn't make those babies by yourself. Okay. Well, then when he come to pick him up, oh, he can't because he's in prison. All right, then. All righty, then. I guess we don't need anything else to talk about. I hate that season of them trying to convince him of that. Um, I don't mind them, like, accusing her of, like, uh, being Apollo's partner in crime because I think that was kind of true. I don't, (laughs) but anyway, Phaedra, um, I think she forgot to file something. So we watched her lose the case on, on, like, on the show. And she kept saying Bob went to Stanford. Did he go to Stanford? Guys, I don't, before we get started, I don't know what the fuck Bob Whitfield did or didn't do. I don't. I, I know he played for the Falcons. Falcons, and y'all should be grateful for that. Okay. I don't know what. Uh, his middle name is Lectris. Bob Lectris. Okay. All right, Lectris. Like a Lectris. But that's not a word either, princess. What the fuck? <laughs> he went to Stanford. Okay. They keep going like he went to Stanford. He was very smart. <laughs> and he really just kind of showed up to court, like, representing himself. 
I don't think he was even dressed for court. I think he showed up in like a fucking sweatsuit with a like a gravy stain on the front. It was just like, Your Honor, I object. <laughs> and then Pedro lost the case. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, Phaedra is a bad lawyer. <laughs> and been a bad lawyer. <sighs> anyway, what the fuck am I talking about? Oh, so... The first four seasons that we saw Sheree on, she's off by the time she records this Fix My Life episode. I wanted to point out, the first four seasons of Real Housewives of Atlanta, Phaedra, I mean, Sheree is not who we get when she comes back to kind of be a wingman to uh, Kim uh, Zosiak Beerman. Um, And she's not even the one from today that you see on the screen where she is like literally chasing a man that just got out of prison. Like, he embarrassed the fuck out of her. And we need to keep in mind that when these people are sitting waiting forever for someone to show up on a housewife show or any kind of reality TV show, keep in mind that production often knows this person is not coming. They often know. And they often try to get you to stay there. They know he's not coming. Like, there's, like, production dickery in that, too. But, like, that's too embarrassing. Like, too fucking embarrassing. Anyway, um, she in the beginning, she was really high sedity. She was like, I'm very important. I'm, I'm married to a very important man in this town. Atlanta loves its own. Atlanta loves its celebrities. Atlanta bitches stick together. And if you're playing for the Falcons, Atlanta loves you, okay? That's what it is. And Atlanta is a small, big town that really makes you feel like... Um, in a di- Austin's the same in a different way, not like the way Atlanta like loves its people, right? Austin is a is a is a large city, pretending as if it is a small college town and refusing to acknowledge that it's not, which makes it difficult to sometimes access things and traverse things because they're just like, who us? We're just a small weird city. We don't. We're not. Mm-mm. No, no, bitch, you're a metropolitan city, okay? Get me some fucking <laughs> public transportation, please. Like, Houston is overgrown and re- replicates itself over and over and over again. Houston is um, high-rises and just crowded and stuff and tear this down to build this, blah, blah, blah. Houston really knows that it, Houston's like, no, I'm big. I'm big. I'm the fourth largest city in the, in the U.S. by population. I'm I'm fucking huge. I'm big, okay? Um, do you want to get a medical procedure done? Come to me, because this is where it happens. And, like, Houston's, like, it understands itself. Dallas is snooty. Bigly, it's snooty. And it's in northern uh, Texas, so, you know, they get a little bit of winter up in that bitch. It's closer to Oklahoma. Um... A lot of that shit up there is not on the same grid as the rest of us, which is why they had fucking electricity when we didn't. But, um, uh, cause it actually snows. They need, they need, they're like, we can't go without electricity, baby. We, we get snow. Anyway, um, I don't, uh, Dallas is a little bit more snooty in, in my opinion. Like, this is my impression of it. Um, and when it's just, you know, but Austin is like, no, I'm a hippie. I, Austin's like, a guy who went to like a few protests like in his youth 
and used to like wear like Birkenstocks all the time, but like legit has a big boy job now, but still thinks of himself as a fucking hippie. And you're like, no, baby, no, 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 you got a 401k. Why are you talking like this? <laughs> Put some socks on, cover your toes. That's Austin. Um, but it. <laughs> Atlanta is 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 a, is a big city that's a small that's incredibly small at the same time and they love their people and I know that Sheree Sheree really benefited from being married to Bob. Keep in mind this, which I did not realize until maybe 2022. Sheree got pregnant in middle school and never finished the eighth grade. Her first Artiera um in somewhere I believe it's Cleveland. I'm not sure. She did yell out where she was from that time. She was said, who gonna check me, boo? And that's so fucking good. Such a good episode. And who gonna check me? And so, she did yell out where she was from. But she's from um, further north. And, like, you know, Bob Whitfield and his large bank account really represented something different for Sheree. Um... She she was his come up. You know what I mean? I mean, he was her come up. Uh, so they get married. They have two kids named Cairo and, and Kyle, Callie. And when we first meet Sheree, she is in the... Like, she and Bob are no longer together. Um, and we watch as she goes through the divorce, as she gets her settlement, as she... Um, as she didn't have to fight for child support. And essentially what was going on is Bob just wasn't going to pay it. He's not even he had the money. He just wasn't going to pay it. And I remember being on Twitter arguing with people because people were like, well, she has enough money. She doesn't need child support. And baby, that's not what child support is for. Child support is not like, well, seems like you're doing okay over there, so you don't need anything from me. And I know that like many states have revamped, you know, child support um, to be like, you know, they, they take into account the incomes of all parties involved. But keep in mind that some that your financial obligation to your child does not is not negated based on the fact that their other parent can provide for them. You still owe them a financial obligation. Um I know, I know the calculations can vary depending on the state, but you still owe and so like I remember I was like arguing people on Twitter like but why would she why would she ask for money when she already has some cause he owes money those are his fucking kids and I, I just have a really hard time with deadbeat fathers I really deadbeat parents in general to be honest I just have a really hard time um kids don't ask to be brought into this world uh you when you agree to have a child and where you agree to have a child can vary, whether that's in the delivery room you agree to have a child, or when you skeet skeet inside somebody. When you agree to have a child, you are you haven't you've made an agreement with that child, and that is that like you owe them, you owe them more than they will ever owe you. You you chose for them to get here, and now you now you gotta take care of them. And I like hate deadbeat parents, and I think anybody who's a deadbeat parent is a bum bitch. Anybody that supports a deadbeat parent is a bum bitch too. That's it. I don't do not fuck people who don't take care of their fucking kids. I don't care what story they tell you. If I haven't seen my kids in two years, why? Why? 
I've gotten in so many arguments with somebody who's been in a relationship with somebody. He can't see his kids, you know, and he couldn't afford blah, blah, blah. Okay, great. He's, he's a bum bitch. Maybe he's a bum bitch with reasons, but he's a bum bitch, okay? You don't see your kids. You don't show up for your fucking kids. You don't um, financially support your kids. And that means if I got $5, I'm coming to bring you my two, the $2 to help with the kids. You don't have to make, you support them on what you have. Physically, emotionally, show up and be a parent. If you're not doing those things, you're a bum bitch. And maybe you got like, you know, some reasoning in your back pocket. You're a bum bitch for reasons. Okay. And so like, I already don't like Bob, but not that I like Sheree like that either. Sheree is like absolutely not my fucking cup of tea. But later on, when Sheree did that storyline where she was getting back together with Bob, that was completely fucking fake. Um, this is a season with the Marshall. Y'all can't be in the Marshall. Force sure fucking love you. Um, so fucking dumb. <laughs> so fucking dumb. Ruining your life, but okay, cool. Um, this is the season where Kenya is uh, triggered by Kim Fields. Kim Fields' boring ass. <laughs> and is triggered by her to the point where she's, got a, she's trying to rip the chair from underneath that woman. And if she had turned around and, f- and slacked your ass, you would have fucking deserved it. Fortunately, she's corny. And she's never going to do anything like that. But anyway, um, that's it's that season, I think. I could be wrong. They, they're shooting a commercial. I think they're in Jamaica. I think. I think because Cynthia's, commer- Cynthia's commercial for those eyewear, for that eyewear, Peter's there too. Peter shows up for something. Um, but yeah, on that trip, like, Sheree ends up crying, and I I choose to believe she's she's crying. Like, she's not, like, doing... She's not an actress. Um, she ends up crying because she talks about how Bob... She, like, woke... He, like, choked her. She'd woken up to him choking her, and he was joking about how he wanted her to die. Or something... I can't remember exactly what happened, but like he took her seatbelt off and was like going to crash the car. It was something like real. We, we spent so little time on it. And I was like, no, that's scary. Like that's abusive. That's, that's a red flag, babe. That's a red flag. And, but we spent so little time on it. She's like crying and he's laughing, like saying, yeah, I did do that. And so I already had a bad taste in my mouth about Bob, right? One, I don't like no bum bitches, okay? I don't like uh, bad parents. Two, I don't like people who I don't like people who abuse people, okay? So like, I have a bad taste in my mouth. But this episode really felt like it was set the hammer home at Sheree. Now I think Sheree's like annoying. I think she's. I mean, being the bone collector, I think she's stupid. I think all kinds of things about fucking Sheree. But, I don't know. I I felt like Ayana went 
hard on her. Let, let, let me, let's, let's get to it. So the Ayanla we have this week is classic Ayanla. I mean, short do. She's not, she's not, she's not got a bald fade. She's got a little bit of hair. Okay. A little bit of hair, but it's real short. Um, I wouldn't, it's like a teeny weeny afro, real small. It's got reddish brown um, dye. She's wearing her big, like, she's got these, they actually were kind of cute. These big, like, wooden necklace that's, like, green. I want to call them pearls, but, you know, I guess I'll call them pearls. They're not pearls, obviously. But uh, they're green. She's wearing the big statement earrings. Uh, she's, um, She's definitely... In her woman's conference skirt, uh, suit, suit skirt. Yeah, that's the one we get here. This is classic with the short hair, Ayanla. Not, I mean, you know. So, she meets up with them in a park or some sort of green space, some place where they can be out. And she basically says that for the past six years, maybe six years? Maybe-ish. Maybe, like, uh, for the past six years, they've been divorced. And uh, they have not been getting along. They can't co-parent together. They hate each other. And Bob, and, like, Sheree's like, and Bob will not pay child support. And he's just bad to my kids. And uh, Bob's problem is that he feels like Sheree is, like, a demon. And so... Ayanla tells them, you know, there's going to be moments today where you're not going to like me, which is like a classic thing for her to say, right? Um, but we're going to do it. So Ayanla and Sheree go off together first. She tells Ayanla that Bob wasn't doing what he's supposed to do for the kids. And from day one, like from the day they got married, it's been bad. Um, she tells a story that, that looks sounds a little bit convoluted, but what I'm to understand is that they eloped to the Grand Cayman Islands, right? Or island, islands. I've never been there. Maybe one day I'll get there and I'll see how many fucking islands are over there. But, singular or plural. But, they go there, they elope, they get married. From what she explains, she says it's from day one. But I guess they came back. She means when they got back to Atlanta. He slept out, he didn't come home that night. And, which is not an auspicious, auspicious, auspicious? It's not a great... (laughs) It's not a great start to a marriage. Um, so Ayanla goes, takes her over to that construction site to Chateau Charest. So here's the thing about Chateau Charest, guys. Much like she by Charest, and I forgot who said this. It might have been Kara. Um, you guys know I'm a Kara stan. I listen to everything. Um, that said that she by Charest, like... Sheree had moved on from She by Sheree, right? She only finished it for a storyline on the show. And I felt like Chateau Sheree was like that too. Chateau Sheree was a thing that she was like, I'm going to do. I'm going to build my own home. Because, like, they live in a 10,000 square foot home. I can't even imagine that. How many bathrooms does a 10,000 square foot fucking home have? A million? How many? And so they lived in this huge home. And I guess it got sold as a part of the divorce. She had to vacate the home. I think even he was supposed to be paying the mortgage and he just stopped when they broke up. Which sounds about right. Right. So she, and the last time we, not the last time, but we saw Sheree in her new apartment and it was like worse than Kim Zosiak's uh, fucking townhouse that Big Papa bought her 
or somebody bought her. Remember when um, Kim basically got evicted from this house she was renting to own? And remember, they were trying to evict her on like her wedding day and shit. And they had to go back to the townhouse. And listen, there was nothing wrong with that fucking townhouse. And somebody bought me that townhouse free and clear. And all I had to do was pay the property taxes on it. Good for fucking me. Same thing with Gretchen Rossi's uh, townhouse on the OC. Good for fucking me, man. If I own this bitch, I would be very happy to own this bitch free and fucking clear. But you know, it's just nothing like what you were living in. And like Sheree was probably living in a very nice apartment, but her kids are sleeping on air mattresses on the floor. And she'd like let Bravo film that. And I would not have let Bravo film that. And now you know why there's no contract coming out to me because I would not let them film anything. But anyway, so we'd already seen it on TV. And her deciding to build Chateau Charest was, like, obviously an ego thing. Obviously, like, I showed up the first time on TV in this huge fucking house with all these things and all these people around me and all these people, like, fawning over me and stuff. And now, like, I don't want you to think my star is falling all these other things. It took her five years to build Chateau Charest, which I honestly thought it was longer. I really thought it was, like, 12 years. I don't know why... I thought that, but I guess she originally, she finished it in 2013 or something. I'm not sure, maybe 2014, but it took her about five years. And it's because it's like it's in a trust in her mama's name because of tax reasons and Funky, this is this is how Funky Dineva got very famous. Funky Dineva, not very famous, I don't know. This is a part of Funky Dineva's story. Funky Dineva... AT Alien, right? AT, it's AT Alien. I can't pronounce it, but it's ATL and then the last part of Alien. People from Atlanta know what that is. Y'all say shit like that all the time. Anyway, so her, remember they had a falling out when Funky left dog shit. Blah, blah, blah. Anyway, those two and Tamara Tattles were sued by Shirt. Uh, Sheree because they were like basically reporting and she says they trespassed but like listen Chateau Sheree is next to a bus stop guys Funky Dineva with a dildo at the bus stop next to <laughs> and because they walk through I guess she, she that's what she was suing them for but whatever so she's building this house forever uh, she's having to stop because she's not paying people. I mean, people put liens against this fucking house all this time. And from the get-go, from the day one, by the time Candy came on season three, I <laughs> I feel like for like two years, all Candy did was tell like Nene, do not buy a house in Miami. You cannot afford a house in Miami. I don't know how you got, I don't know how this Trump check made you very rich. Do not buy a house in Miami and telling Sheree, do not build that house. Like, and she was right. The thing was, this 10,000 square foot house for a woman and two children. Like, her children were like, like, Cairo was already in middle school. She was not having, like, these kids are not going to live there for the next 30 years. And everybody knew that that was, uh, like, pure ego. In fact, even after she built it, I am sure... And there were rooms, well, I know, because it happened on the show where, like, somebody, like, tried to turn a doorknob and it fell off. It, it was, like, an HGTV, like, 
uh, makeover show where um, the camera cuts very strategically throughout the home and because everything's fucked up in there and <laughs> because they only painted like one wall and, <laughs> and these other shit, there's like holes in a wall over here. That's, that's what I imagine Chateau Charest to be. I imagine Chateau Charest to be cold as fuck in the winter and hot as fuck in the summer because you can't turn on the HVAC because um, she can't afford the bills. That's what I imagine. I imagine that when you walk into Chateau Charest, one room has furniture. And Charest don't live there with nobody. With fucking nobody. I'm sure she's got some cousins or a mom or something that's staying in some of those rooms. It's five bedrooms. Um, I'm sure she's got, like, somebody in that bitch. Maybe she's maybe she's on fucking uh, Airbnb. She's written out rooms. I'm not sure. But her kids don't live with her. Her kids are fucking grown. And there's nobody else. I think there's a dog. I think she was eating chips and talking to a dog last season, maybe. I don't know. Last year was not a good season for Real Housewives of Atlanta. And we've had some rocky seasons. I mean, but, but they need to rebuild there. I actually, I haven't. I was trying to get back on social media. I was like... I'm going to get on Twitter. And I got on Twitter and then something gross was happening. I was like, eh, delete again. But before that, I saw a tweet where someone was like, Real Housewives of New York had one bad season and they're trying to cancel it. Girl, it wasn't one. Don't do it to yourself. It wasn't one. I would not, don't, it wasn't one. And same thing with Real Housewives of Atlanta. It wasn't one. There are, there, there's some problems. And the fact that it still pulls quite a bit of of um, ratings is crazy, but it's because black people watch it. That's what it is. But like, don't 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 lie to yourself. And I'm not lying to myself. Royal Housewives of Atlanta's had three, three maybe four seasons. I was like, what the fuck am I watching? Um. But yeah, I like I don't I I just imagine that like. Nobody's there. I remember, remember the, the season she built it where she kept meeting everybody at the porch. She would just be sweeping on the porch. Girl, what? <laughs> anyway, take her over there. And um, Ayala is basically like, what? So Ayala, I disagree with Ayala throughout this entire episode. One, she asks her why she's suing Ba for child support when she's putting her money into this. And... I wish I could be answer for her. I wish I was standing there. I was her lawyer. Um, better than Phaedra, even though I've never gone to fucking law school. And I would have said, what I put in there doesn't matter because I support my children. My question is, why doesn't Bob have to support his children? Where does Bob put his money? Did you go to Bob's house and see where, he, where his money is? Um, but, you know, Saray is very defensive because she, she's like, she feels like her finances are being questioned. But you can't afford the house. You never could afford that house. You could have easily built, I, apparently the house is worth like $3.5 or something like that now. Or maybe $3.1 I don't know. It just, also, is that how much 10000 square feet costs? I can't even fucking picture it. It's in Sandy Springs, Georgia. It's like... They all live outside of fucking Atlanta. I mean, you know, it was how it is with the housewives. Fucking Robin lives in down near Baltimore. And uh, Erica Jane lives in Pasadena. Or lived in Pasadena. But anyway, like, 
people, they live all far, they live far as fuck away. Anyway, but, um, I don't even know. I can't picture any of this shit. So, you know, Ayala presses her on it and, and, and she says, this is incomplete. You've got an incomplete home and an incomplete marriage. And Sheree says, no, I'm divorced. And Ayala says, well, that's an incompletion. And I was like, Ayala, you've been married how many times? Why are you talking to her like that? We all know that the value of a relationship is not in how long it lasts. It's in how it felt while you were in it, what you gained from it while you were in it. Some relationships are meant to be slow and some are fast and some last a long time and some weekend or maybe 15 minutes in the alley. I don't know, but the relationships are not like the value of them is not in the length of them. People stay married for decades unhappily and hate each other unhappily. I, I just went on this fucking rant because, you know, we hit our, me and my, me and Mr. Curtis hit our anniversary, December 27th. We have now been married for 15 years. Um, and February 6th is the, is the anniversary of our first date. So we met, or first time we hung out was February 6th and we were married by December 27th. We were living together within two weeks. We were engaged within like a couple of months and then we, we just got married. And... I'm really appreciative of the relationship. I'm appreciative of the fact that we are both like really committed to to just making our life like getting better, like still having conversations about things and still trying. I'm appreciative that we have like we still have a good physical relationship and an emotional relationship, but that doesn't mean it's not without its issues, but I am like incredibly fortunate and I understand that that I that to be with someone this long and to know them that well and to be able to like to be able to to like know what their footsteps sound like in the hallway and to be able to read the crease in their fucking forehead. This, it's a special thing, but if it wasn't working, it's not working. You know what I mean? Like, like it's almost, you know, drag race is back. And on the first episode, they're like arguing over, whether this girl has 40 inch, uh, like a 40 inch weave. Like it doesn't matter how fucking long the weave, the, the fucking wig is. If it's, if the shit don't work for you, it could be, it could be 80 inches. It's still ugly on you. And I feel like that with a lot of relationships, people will just, people will just, you know, be like, you know, we've been together since high school. And yet you should have broke up in high school. Cause it's, you're in a bad relationship. Um, so, like, Ayala should know that. Like, the length of a relationship is not, like, incomplete. What? I, I... I didn't like this. Um, so, Sheree says she and Bob don't get along because he didn't treat her kids well. And he's not a good father. And when Ayala's keep pushing with the Chateau Charest thing, she's like, that's a separate thing. This doesn't have anything to do with Bob. And I agree with her. Like, Charest thought she was going to the show to talk about why Bob doesn't see his kids and doesn't pay child support. And the fact that Chateau Charest had to be a part of it, I mean, she should have known that when she was driving over there. But that's what people wanted to talk about at the time. Not necessarily Bob like that. Um... 
Ayanla asked her, what did you, what were you looking for when you got into the relationship with Bob? And Sheree says to be loved. She wanted a fairy tale, the man, the life, the white picket fence. And she, when Ayanla asked her, when she realized he wasn't those things, she go, she doesn't answer. She just says, I thought she would change. Um, which to me, I mean, that could be editing, but to me, that sounds like he was always like kind of an asshole and kind of like, you know, not what she wanted. And she says she had, they would go out to parties and events and stuff. She had to keep a smile on her face. She had to pretend for her kids. And I almost like, it, it like own that. Say, I pretended. And sure is like, I pretended. I was the one doing the pretending. Um, she's already weepy. Sheree, but she feels very much like a Lifetime movie. Like, she's like, I just felt like she came on here thinking it's going to be like this, so here's a, so then I had to do this. Like, you know what I mean? She she really, like, she's really in her bag right now, you know? She's like, I'm ready for my close-up. Like, she's very, like, mm, I and, and personally, I don't think Sheree's like that. I think Sheree's a lot less uh, emotional than that. Um, they argue more about Chateau Sheree, and Sheree is like, I needed this for my children. And, and I agree with Ayanna, no, you fucking didn't. No, you didn't. You could have got yourself a fucking $500,000 house. You could have $500,000 McMansion in fucking in Sandy Springs, Georgia. Could have bought you something nice, really fucking nice, nicer than I've ever been in, and I know it would have felt like a downsize from ten thousand square feet, but it was. It was go. It was always gonna be a downsize, and people would have had their own rooms and had a nice place, and you could actually keep up the payments and the taxes, and there wouldn't be a lien on it every other fucking week. And Ayala says something that I want to make sure I talk about. She says your kids don't need that; they need safe and. They need a safe, warm, dry place to be and a place where you greet them with a smile on your face and like something like joy in their eyes. And the reason I want to talk about that is that I recently either saw a video or read something, I can't remember which one, where the person was talking about how one of a child's needs is to be not delighted, but like to have a parent that finds joy in them, right? That is happy with their presence. So, and that doesn't mean you're never mad at them and you're never annoyed with them and like, don't, I'm not going there, okay? Because people expect mothers to only have one feeling about, about motherhood. And if you don't, if you have any other feelings, then you're a bad mother. And it's either, it's either that or you need to do this skit kind of thing that people are doing with their lives where they're like, I hate my kids, little blood suckers. <laughs> you, it, it's they they definitely put you in like one or two boxes, and you have to be in those things. That's what I'm talking about. A genuine, like, enjoyment to be enjoyed. They need to be enjoyed. And when I heard someone put it that way, I was like, yeah, that's like really important. The fact that like you look happy to see them. And when they're talking, you're not rolling your eyes. I mean, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, nobody wants to be in an environment. Like, it's important that they think that you, I don't, and I said think, but, like, that you show that you're, like, you that you that you enjoy them. And 
yeah, I, I, I see where Ayala is coming with that, and she's right. She's not wrong that like they just need a nice, they need a place to stay, and they need to like see you and be happy. That's what they're looking for. Like uh, th- this monstrosity is not necessary, but Sheree, it's necessary for her ego, obviously. Um, she says that to Sheree that. She, the things that she sees, sees, senses, and feels about Sheree is that she's not open. She's not ready for this. She says Sheree is angry, angry and bitter. Sheree keeps saying she's not. She wants a relationship with Bob and for her family to be whole, which I don't think is fucking true. Like, anybody can, with half a brain knows that's not true. So then we get to Bob's turn. Uh, Yanla talks to Bob. Now, and immediately, once, he, once they start, they go to wherever the people on the Falcons play someplace that place um and i'm immediately hit over the head with why people like bob and not sure bob's fun bob's jovial bob i'm listen i think bob's an abuser okay and i think that like play times he isn't fun but when you bob's got like charisma he's got it now did I also scream when I remember that Bob's got one of them wandering eyes and his eye was wandering all over the place, yup and yonder, while he was fucking talking to Ayala, and his eye was over there and over here and around the fucking corner? Yes, I fucking did, because I had forgotten. I had forgotten when he was doing his bit and when he was, like, being, like, congenial for Ayala. Um, I'd forgotten about it, and then he's, like, trying real hard to focus on her, and his eyes just was like, girl, I am done. Whoop! Around the corner I go. And that's... <laughs> but Bob is, um, fun. In a way that Sheree isn't always. And, so yeah, he's turning on the charm and stuff, and, and, you know... He's talking about how the relationship went very fucking fast. Um, they were pregnant and practically engaged, like, right away before he knew it. Um, that was Cairo, the his son, who's 16 at the time this is filmed. And Callie, like, they were broken up on and off, on and off, and they had Callie. And she asked Bob if he was ever really in, in the relationship. And he didn't even, he just kind of pauses. And she said, that's a no. And apparently he's very resentful of Sheree because... She would come to his games late. And, like, I'm like, this is you trying to figure out a reason you hate Sheree. She came to your games late? Like, I'm like, okay, obviously she shouldn't have come to the games late. But this this is why you won't pay your child support? And why you was talking about, like, killing her and shit? This is why? No, this isn't why. Um, He says they are in a 10,000 square foot house and he would isolate himself and, like, a hundred square feet office off of his closet. He'd hide in that. So, Sheree says that Bob has been absent from the kids for the past six years. He says there are a bit of control issues between him and Sheree. He does not believe he should have to talk to Sheree to get through to um, the kids. And and the thing is this. If it's been six years, Kyle's 16, he was 10 then. So you're saying that, that like, the reason you didn't come around here was 10 because you didn't want to be able to come around without Sheree. Like, 16 is more than enough to, like, they, he has a phone. You can contact him. But I don't... Ayanda lets that six-year shit go by real fucking quick. And I'm like, no, I think we should stay here. I think we need to talk about 
why when he was 10, you weren't around. And you're not around today either. He says that as of right now, the kids are of an age where he can call them directly. He's right. But you still not call them directly. So what's going on? Um, but he tells Ayanla he didn't pay child support because uh, she could afford to take care of him by himself. And again, that's some this this sounds dumber. Every time I hear a new uh, broke ass bitch say it, okay? Take care of your fucking kids. Um, he says that Sheree was in the midst of ruining things for him, but he was trying to save the family wealth. Now, this is interesting. This is what he's mad at Sheree about. Is that so she got on that show right after they 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 broke up, and all he like later on he says she she made him relevant again as a deadbeat dad. Yeah, you're mad. You're mad at her for that. You you wanted her... When you left her, she didn't have a show that she could use to like... To like blast your ass. And suddenly she had one. You're mad about that. Ayanla asked him about his inner vision of being a father. He says he wanted to have fun with his kids and use the fun to teach them lessons in life. He admits it didn't go that way. He's halfway in, halfway out. And he feels like he's shorted the kids. And I agree. Like, you know, I I don't. A lot of times people will talk to me about their plans to have kids. And the reason they'll talk to me is because I have a lot of fucking kids. And they'll be like, you know, it's really interesting when you talk about your kids. And like, like I find myself in conversations with people who were like thinking of having kids and they want, and they want to talk to me about it. And the most things people say is that like, they don't think that they are ready. And I always say that nobody is fucking ready. Cause you have no fucking idea. You don't know anything and you don't need to know anything. You only need to know. You only need to know it about 10 minutes before you got to use it. All the time I go through shit where I'm like, what the fuck? We doing this now? Shit, let me Google. Because what are you supposed to do with like it, this idea that you need to have all this knowledge to to do to do parenting, do parenting well is wrong. You have to be willing to learn. And but mostly you have to be willing to show the fuck up. And this is why Bob makes me so angry. And people like Bob make me so angry. You are not willing to show up because you're mad at Sheree. Or you don't like the way people are talking about you, which is understandable. But people can't call you a bum bitch or a deadbeat dad if you aren't one. If you, like, they're, like when we go back to, like, Cody Brown and Christine and how, and how Christine is, and how he's like, Cody is, Cody says Christine has turned the kids against him. She can't turn the kids against you if you were there. Like, if she literally was like, your dad's never here. And they would be like, no, he's right over there. You, he, the truth is, you want it. You don't want people to talk bad about. It. You don't want anyone to say a bad word about you. Peyton, the psycho, um, was talking about. I mean, he was talking about a lot of fucking shit. But he was talking about how Cody had apparently been trying to get TLC to write in the contract. I don't know how true this is. I don't think Peyton knows how true this is. But apparently, I don't know how far it went. It might have just been like Cody's idea, and it didn't go any further. They're writing the TLC contracts that the kids can't talk about him. Badly about him on social media, on their platforms. Because, you know, Gwen's got the Patreon. 
and other people were talking online and stuff, and that he hadn't heard from his dad in a really, really long time. And that, you know, Cody called him up and they talked for like an hour and a half. He was like, oh, wow, I think, I think we might be able to reconcile. And later he talked to his mom and he realized it's because they had an argument earlier that day. And that actually Cody had called all his siblings and had like hour long soft conversations with them. And that he called Christine earlier that day to be like, you got to tell them to stop talking about me online. So he doesn't want a bad word said about him. That doesn't mean he wants to do the right thing. He just, if he doesn't do, if he doesn't do the right thing, he wants you not to say anything about it. That's what he wants. And Bob's in the same position. And he focuses a lot on Cairo. He tells a story about Cairo, um, them working out together and him ended up yelling at Cairo. And, and he talks about, they talk in football metaphor, so I didn't get it. But basically he talks about how his role he sees is to like open up, open up the lanes for him. Like he would do assuming when he played the game, that was his position or something open up the game, open up the lane, and, like, he, he'll he lead you to the scoring. He'll lead you to the uh, scoring line. He'll carry you on his back. And, like, that's such a beautiful sentiment, right? But, no, you won't. You That's not what you've been doing. You can say anything you want, but you have to show up. Um, I just told you how, like, I'm, like, working on, like, trying to work on my boundaries and codependency and all of the many, many things that are wrong with me. But like, I hope that I never lose the idea that the, that people who show up for you are the people that love you. So they can say anything they want to you. They can, this is, this has kept me from most of fuckboy relationships because my love, love language is acts of service. And cause I'm tired. I'm always fucking tired. But I know that people can say whatever they want to. They can sweetie baby you. They can, they can love you. Oh, you're the best. You blah, blah, blah. But that means nothing. What do they do? What, where, where are you when you need them? This is the most important thing. And so like, it's great sentiment, Bob, sentiment, Bob, but like, to carry him across the line, you got to, like, be around him. And also, y'all are focused a lot on Cairo. What about Callie? I wonder what his relationship is with Callie. And I wonder what his relationship is with Tierra Because they were married for quite some time. They were married for, like, a decade. She Tierra was his stepdaughter. Now, I think she was, like, damn near grown. She might have still been in Cleveland. Or wherever she's from, Detroit. I don't know. She's not from Detroit. That's Kenya. But I'm not sure. So, you know, she had them do like a relationship autopsy that was supposed to be for homework. But she didn't even get to talk about it with Sheree because when Sheree comes back the next day, Sheree's like, has talked to production and she's upset about where the questioning went, which happens a lot in Ayala. Like the second day, people were like, um, wait a fucking second. She was asking me a lot of questions off brand <laughs> and I don't like it. And so they talk about it because Sheree felt caught off guard and very attacked. She doesn't think her financial situation has anything to do with this. This is why she came to talk about that. And Ayanla says, I've been doing this for 30 years and I am a champion of women. women. And Sheree's like, yep, that's what I was told. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Ayanla says, I know what I'm looking at. 
She says the reason Sheree is the reason Bob isn't around. That Bob can't be in the space because of her. Both Sheree and I disagree with that. Let me explain how I disagree with it. I absolutely agree that Sheree is bitter and angry. I agree that Sheree is not accommodating to Bob. And it would be in her best interest to try to meet Bob halfway. But Sheree is responsible for her action and Bob is responsible for his. And the fact that Bob does not see his children is his own fucking fault. Okay? Especially a 16-year-old with his own fault. It's his own fucking fault. Um, Sure, if Sheree wanted to be the best co-parent and the, the best ex-wife in the world, she would make space for, for Bob to show up. But she doesn't have to. I, I just, I really think Ayanna missed a mark on this. And it's probably why it's not, it's one of my least favorite episodes that she's done is because she, it really feels like this is about punishing Sheree for being too sporty. That's what it, and sporty meaning like, you know, sassy and like, you know, uppity. That's what this seems like. And the fact, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Sheree's got a lot of fucking faults. But the fact that Bob refused to pay child support and nobody's pushing him on that. The fact that Bob has not been around. Nobody's pushing him on that, but they're pushing Sheree on it. It's dumb. Okay? It's dumb. She, uh, Ayamla tells her that, uh, you know, feminine rage and bitterness keeps Bob away. And Sheree admits she's angry and bitter at the way Bob has treated the kids. This is another thing. Sheree won't, is not willing to admit that she has been affected by this divorce. She, everything is about the kids. This is not true. It's not true. She's obviously been affected by the way this has happened. She's obviously upset with Bob. She's obviously embarrassed. She's obviously angry. Fine. And she has a right to be. And I don't, and like, you guys know me. I love a fucking grudge. Grudges, what keeps me warm at night? My grudges, baby. Grudges. Don't ever catch me doing a victim impact statement where I'm forgiving somebody because I'm not. I'm not. I'm, my victim impact statement will always start off with, I am not religious, but I just joined a religion so I can pray for you to go to hell. Because I, 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 I don't believe forgiveness is a requirement. I do believe that a lot of times you got to let go of shit so that you could pick up something else, right? So sometimes my grudges hold me back. Sometimes I've reluctantly had to put down a grudge so I could move forward. So I could pick up other things. That's for me, not for you. I don't have to forgive nobody for nothing. And I certainly don't forget, bitch. I remember everything. And I got a um and I got an iOS note full of people who have wronged me for when I forget. I never fucking forget what you did to me. Never. I might have to stop talking about it a little bit because I need to do other things. But I'll never fucking forget. As soon as I see your face, I'll be like, isn't that, that bitch that did that thing? It is. It is her. It is her. Why is she still alive? But I do agree with Ayanla that it is important that if you if your goal is to co-parent, you must find you have to find a way to put those feelings aside. You know, you you have to find a way to get to take those feelings out of your kids can't marinate in those feelings because it's not because it's not going to lead to a successful co-parenting. I just don't like the way Ayanla said it, and I don't like the way she's acting as if Bob is like a victim in this shit. 
So, you know, Bob was having his trouble with his homework too. He said he can't be, ha- one of it was like, could he be real to prepare for an honest and clear conversation with Sheree about whether relationship, about building a new relationship? And he's like, no, because I don't think I can have one because I might be clear in the conversation, but I don't want a relationship with her. And he, and he says he's done with her altogether. And fear, like, why does he have to have a relationship with her? In the way that they're talking is like, well, you have to be friends. You have to... No, 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 no. I just have to be respectful. I have to honor my custody agreement. I got to not talk shit in front of my kids. I don't have to like her. So Ayala, at the last part of the episode, brings them both together. They're like sitting face to face, so close their knees are almost touching. Uncomfortably close. And Bob says... Bob says he doesn't have, he doesn't, he doesn't care, he doesn't like Sheree. He has, he can find respect for her, but he'll have trouble moving forward with any type of relationship with her, like a friendship, like nothing. He says he needed her to be his cheerleader and to be there full time for him, but they were phony to each other. I was like, why are you saying that? Like, she's not going to be your cheerleader. You owe her money, bitch. He says he doesn't really like her. He tried, but he felt like, even and when he even tried to like fake it, he feels like she doesn't like him either. And, and <laughs> Sheree in her like dulcet tones that she's using because she thinks this is a, she thinks she's in a fucking movie. She, she just quietly says, I don't. <laughs> yeah, I don't like you. <laughs> And he says they don't need a relationship going forward, but he respects her as a mother of his children. Ayanla pushes Sheree to say she feels sad. Like, isn't that, she feels, he just said he doesn't want a relationship with you, the the father of your children. And Sheree's like, yeah, I feel like I, that's sad. And she's like, yeah, you feel sad. And Sheree's like, no, that's sad. I don't feel sad. Um, And I also think she doesn't feel sad. But Sheree is very intent on being like, I have no feelings about this at all, which is not true. And I understand why she wants to say that. This is this would be um, a thing for me to do as well. Like, it is nothing for me to cut people off to immediately decide that you died and, there, and therefore I don't need to talk about you or to you or drive by your job or check Instagram because your ass is dead. And like to just move forward. But that's not because I'm not having the feelings. It's because I'm having the feelings and I'm scared of them. And I don't want to feel them. I don't want to be hurt. I don't want, I don't want to be hurt. And the truth is like you bury feelings and they come back to haunt your ass. You need to live, you need to sit in them and like assess them and get through them. And you will. But my first instinct is always to be like, I don't have any feelings about that. I don't care about that. And it's it's just absolutely not true. You know, I always say that I'm a Kale from Teen Mom 2, and I am. And she does things like this too. And it is a defense mechanism. We are trying to convince ourselves that we are not hurt. When we are, we are absolutely fucking hurt. I actually saw Kale on TikTok. I said that like, like we ran into each other. I saw her on TikTok and 
she was talking about when she got kidnapped as a kid or whatever. I'm sure it's on Teen Mom Reddit somewhere. But, um, but, um, she, I just looked at the comments. I usually don't interact with Teen Mom TikTok because I do not want my shit filled with Teen Mom stuff. I don't, I don't like it like that. Like, I, I like Teen Mom because I've been wanting, because I basically am a co-parent to these children at this point. But I don't want my fucking feed filled with fucking, with Teen Mom shit. Like, if Javi comes, like, across my, across my timeline doing some TikTok dance, I will leave this planet. I will leave this motherfucking planet. I will blast off into space and never come back. But, um, I was looking at the comments and I was like, oh, People like Kale. Maybe not in the Reddit world or whatever, but like she's getting a different reception on TikTok because TikTok is different than everything else. Uh, sort of like Janelle is. And people like are bigging her up in the comments and stuff. And I'm like, oh. And it seems like they know who she is. It's not like they just ran across her video. Um, that's interesting. Because, you know, the way the fandom talks about her is really like she's the worst and she's the worst and the worst and the worst and the worst. But there are people that were that were watching those videos and they're in lives and stuff that like like Kale. But anyway, um, off topic. Uh yeah, she's trying to pretend like this doesn't like feel sad and it's a good line, but like maybe you don't feel sad but you feel something. For me, I, I can imagine feeling angry that I have to sit here and listen to him talk about how upset he is when I know what he's done and I know how he's affected our children. Um, she says it's not important for Bob to like her. He said that she made him relevant again in the worst possible way as a deadbeat dad in the media. And I'm like, Bob, did you pay your fucking child support or not? No, right? No. I think Sheree says to this day she hasn't really re- she hasn't received anything from him. He filed bankruptcy, did all these things. Um, Bob says that Sheree needed Real Housewives of Atlanta to help with the wounds of the things he had done to her. So you do admit you did some shit to her. Okay. But she treats Bob and the kids like accessories, like a purse and shoes. And she uses a storyline with a stereotype of an athlete that doesn't take care of his kids. And he says the divorce was over and done with and that she extended it for the show. I can believe that. Sure. I I can also believe he's saying the divorce was done with because it was because they probably had a prenup, and but the child custody stuff, like the child support was still like she took him back to court for that. Yeah, yeah. But he's saying it like you you only did that for the show. I don't know. Sheree says, "Man up and do what you're supposed to do." They start arguing. Ayanla says that it's impossible to co-parent someone you don't like. She says that they will be mom and dad separately, but they can't come to center to make decisions, which is true. Um, she does like, she does like, um, kind of like throw this paper down and is like flag on the play. I don't know what that means, but it means something. Um, uh, but before they start doing all that, um, Ayanla tells Sheree that she needs to take her hands off of Cairo and stop interfering. And she says that Bob has Cairo's phone number. And Ayanla wants uh, Sheree to tell Cairo that he has permission to be in contact with Bob. 
And Ayanla says that when Bob comes to the door, and Sheree's like, oh, he can't come to my door now. Calling. And, like, but this is the thing. Like, you are pushing, pushing, pushing on Sheree, but not Bob. You know what I'm saying? And she's right. He can't come to the door without calling. One of the things that she says she has a problem with is that he rarely calls, but when he does, he's like, on Friday, he's like, I want to come get the kids right now. And they have plans or something's going on. And he's like, well, your plans are always more important than my plans. Yeah, my plans are more important than your plans because my plans were planned and yours just popped in your head two seconds ago. And he makes a good point that if true, Sheree, clean it up, is that, so I think Cairo's like 16 and like Callie might be like 13, maybe. When he calls the kid's phone, Sheree picks up the phone. Yeah, that's a problem. You're saying he has Cairo's phone number and yet, why when he calls you pick up the phone? He didn't call to talk to you. He doesn't want to talk to you. Um... That's a problem, Sheree. And you're acting like... Now, she does mention that Bob doesn't call at all. And that Bob only calls like once or twice a year. Which is probably true. And that's Bob's thing to fix. But Sheree, when he does show up, you have to let go of how mad you are. That he didn't show up before. And let him show up this time. Um, if you're making up plans, don't do that. That's petty. That's not helpful. And, yeah. That, like... But they're arguing, and that's when Ayanla throws the paper. It's like, flag on the play, flag. So I guess that means stop what you're doing, because I'm about to... You know what? Let me stop. Um, <laughs> um, she tells them that whenever the elephants fight, the grass suffers. And we all stared at her for a minute, because we were like, what the fuck does that mean, bitch? <laughs> what is that? I thought it had something to do with sports. But then she said the children are the grass. And I was like, oh, okay, okay. I see where you're going with this because you can't just be yelling out shit like this, Ayanna. You need to, like, give context, give context. Um, she tells them they don't have a right to not like each other because they chose each other to be their child's other parent, which is, and they don't have a choice now, which is like, sure. But they do. They don't like each other. <sighs> She pulls out a paper and says that her intention was for them to take some vows to each other. And the vows are just for them to be adults who parent together. I mean, it was real like... See, the thing is, is that this could have been made better if we actually worked on... Gave each other tools to use. Like, figured out what our what our part in the problem was. Sheree, your part is that you hold a lot of bitterness. And so even when he does try, you won't let him. Bob, your your part in this is that you also hold a lot of bitterness and you take it out on the kids so then you don't even try to talk to them. You're not a consistent parent in their lives. So then giving each one the tools to overcome those hurdles separately because they're not going to be around each other. They're too hurt by each other still. It really... A guy in my office just got divorced not so long ago and um, he was telling me about it. And we were talking about it, and I was like, well, he like he really doesn't, he really hates her. She had an affair on him. And they tried to stay together, but he knew it was going to work then. Like, they've been, they, they've been in the process of divorcing for like five years because that happened, and then it was on to something new. And they don't like each other. Like, they, like, 
you know, when you're in a long-term relationship with anybody, they get on your fucking nerves. My husband gets on my nerves all the time. But part of the reason I know that he's still my person is that I still find him incredibly fucking funny. He is still so fucking funny to me. Like, just little things he does makes me laugh. I like hanging out with that dude. I don't always have time to do it. I don't always want to do the things he wants to do. But if I get a few stolen moments with him in the day, I feel very happy about that. Where we just, like, giggle with each other. I show him TikToks, and he goes, what? <laughs> I Guys, my husband had never seen Abbott Elementary. I don't know why I watch it, but, you know, I realize I probably watch it, like, during work hours, like I have it on in the background and he's not, he's asleep during that time. So last night he got home early from work and I'm like, I'm so tired. I'm going to bed and I haven't seen Abbott Elementary. And he's like, what is that? And so I was like, you're in for a fucking treat. And I turned it on from the start and he fucking loved, he was giggling so fucking hard. I fell asleep. Like he actually woke me up out of my sleep because he was trying to talk to me about Janine. And I was like, I'm asleep. <laughs> But we're just cuddling in bed watching Abbott Elementary and me explaining stuff to him is fun. And he explained, and the guy that just got a divorce was explaining to me like, like they, he would be talking to his wife and she'd be like, can you just be quiet now? Like in the car, they would be completely silent with each other and they didn't enjoy each other anymore. But, and it, basically he was talking about how much, like there's a lot of animosity. He feels like she has like, between the two of them, they worked out the divorce themselves, right? They just paid a lawyer to do the thing, to do the filings, do the stuff and all this stuff. But they worked it out themselves and they work out a lot of things themselves. Perfect. Like half and half. And the only thing that they agreed is that they're, that they, neither one of them can leave the school district. So you can't move. Kids stay in the school district. They're locked in the school district until they graduate high school. And that's what they both agreed to. And they decided to do that because neither one of them trusts the other one. But still. But other than that, like, um, they work pretty well together. But he says that he does not trust her and he doesn't like her. But they just work it out. Like, they had Thanksgiving together. They they divide up the things themselves. Like, it, they they just don't like each other anymore. And he said, you know, we don't argue, though. He says, what I know is that, like, as long as I'm not arguing with her, I'm doing the best thing I can for my kids. He said, we will just be in, we, we, we're we going to be in the same room forever. My kids are going to have kids. My kids are going to graduate. My kids are going to do all these things. And I'll just come and, like, not sit with her. And it's fine. I say hello when I see her and and we don't have to hang out. And he's right. As long as he's not arguing, as long as they're like trying to work things out by themselves, it's fine. And Sheree and Bob can have that, but they're still very mad at each other. And this guy that I'm talking about, one of the things he said is that like he stopped being mad at her. I mean, he doesn't like her, but he stopped being mad at her because they've been in the, they had to sell a house. They had to do all kinds of things. He, um, it took him a long time to get divorced. The marriage was over, it took him, but he's like, he's not mad at her anymore. And that's how he can do these things. That's how they can work out the Christmas stuff. That's how when the argument over the flute lessons and stuff, like she's mad because she doesn't make a certain amount of money and and 
she agreed to the flute lessons and he's been paying for them. And so he pays her child support, that child support. He pays her child support because even though they have 50-50, um, he makes significantly more money than she does. So he still pays her child support. But he just deducts like her part of the flute lessons out of there. He deducts her part of the the health insurance out of there. And yeah, they'll get they'll be like, Well, I didn't choose the flute lessons. And he's like, Well, you started driving her there. Like we said she was gonna take flute lessons. Then she started taking flute lessons. So now it's time to pay for flute lessons cost almost nothing, but now it's time to pay your half of the flute lessons. Suddenly you're like, I didn't agree to flute lessons. Well, what'd you drive her there for then? And but he says, like, that's what he's thinking. But he just go, he he really keeps it, like, on a very shallow, shallow, shallow le- level with her. And I was like, yeah, that's the way to fucking do it. He sounds like he's got it figured out. I'm, like, incredibly impressed that they did this divorce themselves. Like, it's not an amicable divorce, right? They they do not like each other anymore. But that they, the two of them were like, you want to pay a lawyer? No. And they were just, and they just were like, well, what do you want to do? And, and they just figured it out. And, and instead of going to court and doing all this other stuff, they just hired a lawyer to do the paperwork and so smart. And they split it down the middle. The Sheree and Bob could get there if they weren't still so mad at each other. And they're still mad at each other because the, the issues in their marriage are still being played out years later in the way that Bob Bob is willing to hurt his children. Bob's willing to hurt his children to pay back Sheree if Sheree doesn't, like, get what she wants. Can you imagine? Of course you can. People do this shit all the time. I can't. I really can't. And I'm not someone of those parents that's just like, oh, my kids get everything. They have to have everything. I don't believe that. I think that, listen, I didn't have a lot of shit, and I'm still fucking here. I'm broken. I'm healing. But I'm here. So I know that they don't have to have everything. But there, there's nothing I wouldn't do for them to have the best that they could possibly have. And that includes, like, like me and my husband were talking about it. Because, you know, and I just told you, I think I find him very funny. And he's got my favorite face in the entire world. But that does not mean that we're going to be together forever. Like, people like each other all the time and break up. People break up for difference of lifestyles or all kinds of reasons that don't necessarily think mean that I think this person's the fucking devil. But we were talking about what it would be like if we broke up. And I have a feeling we'd be living together for quite a while afterwards. And that he would come over all the time afterwards. I got a feeling, maybe not forever, but I got a feeling that I'd just be like, oh, is that Mr. Curtis Nelson? Okay. Mr. Curtis is here, guys. I gotta go. Mr. Curtis came over. I don't know what for. And he's got milk from his job. He's bringing milk from his job for the kids or whatever. I got a feeling it would be like that. I got a feeling that I would be an annoying ex-wife to whatever new young woman he's dating. (laughs) That they would be like, well, he talks so highly of his ex-wife and she did this and she did that. And I I gotta go meet. He says, I have to meet her and I don't want to meet her. Why are they always hanging out together? Why? Are they doing fake Jamaican accents together in the backyard? It would be... So, I used to do Tori spelling content back on Emotionally Broken Psychos, which I think rebranded to Solid Listen. Um, so, it's on their Patreon. But I did revisit um, True Tori, right? That's that's the best thing Sorry Spelling's ever done that reality show in Lifetime. I might go rewatch it. 
But part of obviously Tori and Dean got together. They please don't make me rehash this, but they had an affair. He was married to uh, some. Is it Mary Beth or Mary Jo? Probably Mary Jo. But Mary Jo's the one that got shot in the face by Amy. Um, I was going to say Butterfuco. You know, Amy something. Mary Jo. I think Dean's ex-wife's name is Mary Jo. And if it isn't, we'll just call her Mary Jo. But they had they famously had an affair. Uh, they were, They were... They were both married. Dean, they were supposed to go back to their families and like figure out what they were going to do. Dean was supposed to go on a vacation. He was in the middle of adopting a child with Mary Jo and they already had a son. And they like in the, he just left. He just left, uh, um, the family vacation and went back to Tori and was like, girl, I am not staying in this marriage. And Tori was like, okay, I'm coming. And they went to the hotel and her husband was like, uh, hey Tori, where, where you been? Where have you been? And she's like, I can't talk right now. Maybe I'm in the therapist's office. And they go there and the therapist breaks up with her husband for him. Anyway, when they're, first of all, Dean and Mary Jo are similar ages. And when they get together now, even though ex-wives, even though they argue all the time too, they just go. They just chit chat. They just talk about people they used to know. They talk about a car they used to own together. They cook together. They're just like, mm-hmm. And then my dad said this, blah, blah, blah. Oh, how's your dad doing this? You know, one to, remember that time me and your dad went to the cabin and then you fell in the lake? Ah! Like, that's what they do when they get together. And Tori's like, what the fuck? And I know that is exactly how you Mr. Curtis will be. Because I find him delightful. I find him very annoying. But I also think he, I think he's funny and I think he's fun to be around. That doesn't mean we'd be together forever. Like, what if he started, like, smoking crack? Like, I'd have to leave him. I can't, I can't be homeless. You can't use all my money for drugs. I can't be homeless. I, like, like, I have childhood wounds around being homeless. I can't do it. So, like, I would have to leave you to protect myself and my children. So, but that doesn't mean that when I see you, I'm not going to, like, you know, sing 90s rap songs with you. Of course I am. We both love that song. Come on. You be Mace. I'll be Diddy. Let's do the dance. <laughs> we would have a great, and I know that whatever wife or girlfriend or whatever he would have would be like, I fucking hate princesses. <laughs> I just found out that Princess and my husband went to the movies in the middle of the fucking day together. I'm like, yeah, because we have so much time to spend together now that we're not married together. Like, I believe that's how it will go. I'm probably like, you know, obviously I don't know how the fuck it would go. But that I believe that's how it will go. I believe we would probably live very close to each other and spend a lot of time in each other's houses just not be together um, for whatever reason that broke us up. But not everybody has to be like that. I I just can't imagine though. When I, the whole reason I get off on this tangent is I can't imagine. I can see myself desperately wanting the best for my kids, and that means that I gotta like talk about the weather with you for ten minutes at a ballet recital. I fucking will. I will. And the whole time we think I fucking hate you. <laughs> fucking hate you. You're such a piece of shit. <laughs> but I'll be like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Well, okay. I'll see you on Tuesday. <laughs> because I do what I have to fucking do for my kids. But um, that's an easy choice for me to make. Um, 
I don't think I I don't even think going that far is necessary. I do think that like Bob refusing financial support for his children. And I don't, I don't remember seeing, I see, I kept seeing it in the previews, but I don't remember the scene where he's telling, or he's saying that Sheree cost the Whitfield family a lot of money with the back and forth on the, on the child support. And I'm like, who's the Whitfield family? Are you talking about those kids you refuse support for? I wish that we talked more about that. What is his reasoning besides that Sheree has the money that she can do with it? You're not, like, at least tell me the deadbeat dad thing where you talk about how you bought diapers one time or you bought them some shoes. Tell me that. Tell me that. But you're just not paying, like, it, it seems like he's just like, nope. And this is how I knew it was a fake storyline because you couldn't, like, abandon my fucking kids. A fake storyline when they were pretending they, they might get back together and she brought them on the trip. You can't abandon my fucking kids and I'll, and I'm, now nah, we going on vacation together. Fuck you. Anyway, um, uh, Bob admits that he hasn't given his kids his best. They both admit they haven't been the best selves for their children. Ayanla tells Bob to do whatever is required to spend time with his son. Somewhere, Callie's going, fuck my drag, right? Who gives a fuck about me, huh? Ayanla must have heard heard it because she finally said, and your, your daughter needs his fa- her father too. Sheree says she's committed to being a better mother. Ayanla makes some clasped hands as she says some nonsense about mother bears and fatherless children. I couldn't follow it. I was just as lost as I was with them fucking elephants that was fighting. Um, she says that for the first time in the history of her show, she can say her work here is not done, but she is tired and she is going home. I don't know if it's the first time and I do not believe it's going to be the last Ayanla. I'm just saying. <laughs> Roll the tape. <laughs> um, they do an update. On the screen, Bob says that he's building a stronger relationship with his kids because, and because it was on the screen, I realized that I don't know how to spell Cairo or Cali at all. Okay. And Sheree chose not to give an update. I think she was very upset how she appeared on the show. Um, so another one in the can. Did Ayanla fix anyone's life? No. <laughs> she, I, that's not my opinion. She said it herself. No, she did not. She did not fix a motherfucking life in the bitch. Um, and we're 0 for 2, Ayala. Is that how, is that how it goes when you do? Zero wins for two games? Uh, all right. Next week, let's see if she fixes the most <laughs> All right, guys, thanks for listening. And I will catch you next week for more, for, to hear more. Head on over to patreon.com backslash buy pumpkin. Um, I wish I knew in front of me what I was going to do this week. I'm going to do something. So, there you go. See you then. Bye.